Good morning, and welcome to the broadcast of the First Baptist Church in Riverton, Kansas, where the mission is to serve the community with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're so glad you could join us today as our pastor, Aaron Williams, shares a timely message from God's Word. At FBCR, there are several ministry opportunities that you can be a part of. These include the food pantry and commodity distribution, which provides assistance to those who are experiencing a food shortage in both our community and the four-state area. In addition, our worship team, now known as Fire of FBCR, provides music each and every Sunday morning during the worship service. The team is growing and welcomes new talent as God provides. This includes either singing, playing a musical instrument, or being a part of our technical crew. And a third ministry opportunity involves the crisis team, which is available to provide assistance in case of a fire, flood, or any other unforeseen emergency. Please contact the church office for details on these ministry opportunities. Now with today's message, here's Brother Aaron. Verse 22, chapter 5 of Mark. And behold, there came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus, by name. And when he saw him, that is Jesus, he fell at his feet. And he besought him greatly, saying, My little daughter lies at the point of death. I pray that you come and lay hands on her, that she may be healed, and that she shall live. And Jesus went with him, and much people followed him, and they thronged him. And a certain woman, which had an issue of blood, now it changes here. I want you to notice this. Verse 24 is telling us that a ruler's come into contact with Jesus He's falling down to worship him, letting him know my daughter is about to die. And so there's a whole bunch of people around him. It calls them thronging him. So, I mean, you couldn't hardly get close to Jesus. And now, all of a sudden, as he begins to go with this father toward his daughter that's at the point of death, now he's going to run into somebody else. And here's what goes on. Notice this, and then it will go back to the man later in the verses. And Jesus went, uh, verse 24, And Jesus went with him, and much people followed. They thronged him. A certain woman, here we change, had an issue of blood for 12 years. She suffered many things and many physicians, had spent all that she had and was nothing bettered, but rather grew worse. When she had heard of Jesus, she came in the press. In other words, she came into the group behind and touched his garment. She said, If I may but touch his clothes... I shall be whole. And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up. She felt in her body that she was healed of the plague. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him, turned him about into the press and said, Who touched my clothes? And the disciples said to him, Don't you see the multitude that's strong in you? And you're going to ask us, Who's touched you? And he looked round about to see her that had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. He said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you whole. Go in peace and be whole of the plague. Now we go back to, he's with the man. Can you imagine? He's with the man, going their direction, runs into this lady. All this takes place that I just read. All that happened to her just took place. Now someone's running, verse 35. While he yet spoke, there came from the ruler of the synagogue's house. So one of the friends of the ruler runs to them and said, Your daughter's dead. She's dead. Don't trouble the master any further. In other words, it's the end. Clock out. We're finished. Your daughter died. Don't trouble Jesus anymore. It's over. 
Verse 36, And as soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said to the ruler of the synagogue, Be not afraid, only believe. And he suffered no man to follow him except, notice this, he only allowed from that point Peter, James, and John to go. And they come to the house of the ruler of the synagogue and they see the, the tumult or the, the funeral processions already started. And them that wept and welled greatly. This is a 12-year-old little girl. Let's, get, let's make this very real today. A 12-year-old little girl just died. He's ran to Jesus now they've done, he's seen this miracle for this other lady, and they're still on the way. And while this is going on, now the guy runs from the house, says, look, it's over. Uh, your daughter died. Don't bother Jesus anymore. From that point, he said, I only want Peter, James, and John. And the way they go to the house, they get there, and they've already started the funeral procession. And which in that day, they were starting to play. There was some music going on. People were crying their eyes out. I mean, she just died. And here we go. Keep going. Verse 39. And when he was come in, he said to them, Why make this ado? Why do you weep? The damsel, she's not dead. She's sleeping. And they laughed him to scorn. But when he had put them all out, he took the father and the mother of the young lady and them that were with him, which would have been the three disciples. So now the father, mother, three disciples, and he entered in where the lady was lying, and he took her by the hand and said to her, which is being interpreted, Arise. And straightway she rose and walked, for she was of an age of twelve years, and they were astonished with a great astonishment, and charged them straightly that no man should know it. Isn't that interesting? And command that something should be given to her to eat. So we start this text of Scripture. I know it's lengthy and long. I wanted to make a point this morning of all that took place in the life of Jesus and specifically to chapter 5. If you want to read Matthew's account, you can get in the ninth chapter of the book of Matthew. You'll find the same account written by uh, that author as we find here. And what you have is a ruler of the synagogue going to Jesus. Now, Jesus had just left a group of people who would not hear him. And he just said, look, a prophet doesn't have honor in his own country, so he just left a group that would not honor, would not believe, and as he crossed the waters, he comes into this other group of people, and by the way, he had begun to do miracles. And you see here, keep in mind, this is a ruler of the synagogue. A ruler of the synagogue. This isn't just, you know, Bill or Joe or Jay out among the populace. This is a ruler of the synagogue. You know what that means? He was in leadership at the synagogue, the Jewish synagogue. This was directly the kind of thing going on. Now wait, he had all this religious knowledge of the Mosaic law, the law of Moses. He had all the knowledge. He was very disciplined. But now he has a situation in his home where his 12-year-old little girl, one writer says, Matthew indicates she was at the point of death. It almost indicated she had already died, but we see by this text she had not died yet. But at this point of death, he begins to leave her and go after Jesus of Nazareth. Now, it, I begin to ask myself some questions like, what caused this religious ruler who was at, at church, so to speak, all the time? He was always in the synagogue. If he's a ruler of the synagogue, he was around church a lot. And also, because of his leadership position, he had rights to physicians. This guy had rights to plenty of medical physicians of the day. 
And yet, what did he exhaust? I mean, I don't know. The Scripture doesn't tell us. But no doubt, this ruler of the synagogue had all of the best physicians available with his daughter as she was sick. We don't know for sure what kind of sickness other than a fever. It was likely in those days people died of the kind of a high fever and then they would die. And so they knew what was coming on. But here we have him leaving. Would you leave your daughter knowing she's about to die for the sake of chasing after a man named Jesus? I mean, maybe you're not facing a situation of just your daughter is literally dying, and maybe you are. But there are many situations in our life where we're going to be crossing a crossroad of whether or not we pursue Jesus when we've exhausted all other efforts. And today on a Father's Day, I just want to show you an example in the Scriptures of what this father thought was the very best thing to do for his daughter on Father's Day. This father decided this day that his daughter was to the point that the only thing he had left to pursue was Jesus Christ himself. That was it. He didn't go back to the synagogue, the Scripture didn't say. He didn't go to those rulers. He didn't fall down and start talking about Moses. He absolutely went for this man named Jesus. And look what he does. Notice early in the Scripture, and you go back and read this text for yourself, Notice early in the scripture, when this ruler comes, now they were very um, reserved in the synagogue, so you wouldn't see a lot of open worship like maybe you would see in our modern day of people worshiping. But the Bible says here, he came, if you read Matthew's account and Mark's, he came and fell down. This man came and literally his body, he fell down at the foot of Jesus Christ. Now what does this take for a man who's a ruler at the synagogue, so disciplined, so dressed, so orderly, all of these things, now knowing my daughter's going to die. What happened in him at his home at one point to know we've had the physicians, we've tried it, no one at our church can get the job done, basically. What this text tells me, there was no one in the synagogue that could do or had hope for this man like Jesus of Nazareth could give to him. I don't know what he saw. It doesn't tell us. You can shake his hand probably in eternity and ask him, what did you see that caused you in this moment of despair to begin to pursue, pursue Jesus Christ? I mean, did you see somebody healed? Did, you, did he come into your synagogue and heal somebody? What happened? No doubt something had persuaded this man, Jairus, who was a judge-type ruler in the church, to then pursue Jesus. And when he gets there, he didn't just ask his permission This guy goes in and falls down at the foot of Jesus Christ. What would this look like today? It would look like you just running into church, even though Jesus isn't literally here, you would run into church and being at such a point in your life that you would just decide, I don't care what's going on when I get to the church today. I don't care if they're in the middle of worship, if the preacher's preaching, if I'm late, if I'm early, if Sunday school's going on. I don't care if anyone sees me. But when I get there today, I am going to so fall down in front of Jesus that he knows. Because the Bible said there was a whole majority of people. There was a throng of people. So you have to get through a lot of people sometimes to get to Jesus. Sometimes you have to get through a lot of our doings religiously to get to Jesus. Sometimes we do it so often and do it so well that we callous up. And I've got the challenge for, for anybody here. Could you give this verse, these verses 
the scriptures to a brand new convert that's been born again for just months and then expect them not to ask Jesus for a miracle in their life. It's amazing to me how intellectual we've become Yet how vulnerable this ruler made himself, said at all costs, I'm going to go to Jesus and fall down in his worship. He fell down. This guy said, look, I don't care what's going on, a group around him, I'm going to fall down. Jesus is going to have to trip over me not to see me and hear what I want for my daughter. This Father's Day message meant this father was absolutely bankrupt on all of his efforts. And so he's, I'm just going to trip Jesus and get him to fall until I'm going to scream up, can you help my daughter? But how reserved we can get, not just in our action, but how reserved we can get in our theology. That we don't just say, I just want to just, I want to empty myself. I'm going to empty myself that this is going on. And here it was, Jairus, his daughter at the point of death. And so then let me play that. This is what literally happened. He goes, falls down and worships Jesus, as you heard by the text. He says, look, my daughter is going to die. And he said, Jesus like, well, let's go. Let's go. So here you are. I mean, can you imagine being Jairus? Now you're excited. you got Jesus' attention. There's a whole bunch of people. Your daughter's at the point of death. You've got what you asked for. And here you go with Jesus and some disciples. You're headed to your home. I mean, you're probably watching your watch. Like, Man, I think it's going to be like 35 minutes. We're going to be there. You get your cell phone out, right? And you call back to the house. Like, we're going to be there in 35 minutes. I got Jesus with me. No cell phones here. But you would be calling on your cell phone. Okay, I'm in Riverton. I'm 18 minutes away from the house. I'd call Julie and say, look, if this was literally in the day of Jesus, right now, him walking, I bankrupt myself as a father. We've got a situation. One of my children's going to die without this. We don't need... The synagogue won't work. He didn't go to the priest. Sorry. It didn't work. He had never seen enough power at the synagogue to heal anything or anybody, and he didn't there when he's done and if you really want to know how you are theologically find out in the point of trouble of your life and something's about to actually be lost from you and stolen from you by an adversary see where you fall down and you will find out what you worship you will find out who you worship and you will find out whether there's enough humility to honor the god of heaven to be able to stretch down and help your situation but this man did and here he goes to jesus got the cell phone out i know he didn't literally have a cell phone out But he was no doubt paying attention to the time. And then guess what happens? Runs into a lady. Someone else. Here they are. They finally got the crowd moving. And a lady from behind that's had 12 years of blood, maybe menstrual or otherwise, gets through the crowd and touches the bottom of Jesus' garment. And now Jesus has stopped. It's kind of like you ever try to go to work and you only got five minutes and it takes five and a half minutes to get there. And the time you pull up, the train gets in front of you, right? And what you start doing is praying, because that was what you always do with your spare time whenever something stops you. You know, you start getting your list out of the glove compartment of all those people you're praying for, and you spend that time wisely. But this happened. The thing stopped. 
And here is a woman touching the hem of Jesus, and Jesus is like, whoa, who touched me? The disciples say, what do you mean who touched you? There's a whole group of people around you, and you want us to tell you who touched you? The whole crowd's touching you. No, virtue went out of me. Something just was pulled out. Like, there's some way someone pulled on something that's inside of me. There's something internally that changed as she touched my... She didn't even touch him. She touched the H-E-M of the H-I-M. She touched a little bit of the garment of the one who was the Son of God in her broken situation while he was on his way to do something else. And you've got a father saying, I'm running out of time, and there are fathers running out of time. Sometimes you're running out of time, and you've even fallen. You've asked Jesus, and he's on his way. Now you've got to, he's stopping to do ministry while he's on the way to your daughter dying. What? Wouldn't you have said like, hey, lady, leave him alone. Now we're 37 minutes, honey. A lady just, what happened? Well, you won't believe it. We had him walking and a lady grabbed the hem of his garment. Yeah, then what happened? She's made whole. This lady's washing, jumping up and down. They said, now, when you get here, they said, well, Jab- Baptists don't jump around. You know, we don't do that. <laughs> Jesus never taught that. And what's the little story they always tell you? No, but everyone he ever touched did. Everyone he ever touched did. And this lady, no doubt, was whole. He's on his way to the house. But while they start to move this great big procession of people, it says it's thronging him. Now you've got someone from the ruler of the synagogue's house that comes running, that didn't get the cell phone call. That's it. It's over. He said, It's over. She died. Tells the dad, Father's Day, she died. Your daughter's dead. And of course, what do we do when you get to the hospital and you're about to pray? You go to pray for the one you love or a friend or otherwise, and they just come downstairs and said, they just died. Of course, what we do is we say, oh, man, you know, right? I mean, come on, what do you do? You go to the hospital to visit, and they, you just come down the elevator, and you, the elevator opens. Hey, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm going up to see Bob. Bob, oh. Bob just died. Died? Yeah. Oh, well, I'll send him a card. Where do we? See what I mean? I'll send his loved ones a card and some flowers. You go home. You say, honey, just send him some flowers. We didn't make it. That's what's going on here. This guy runs to the crowd, says, hey, by the way, your daughter's dead. Don't bo-. He says, don't bother the master anymore, the teacher. Don't bother. But see, this wasn't the master and the teacher that he went for. Maybe he'd been in the synagogue and knew that just the mastery of teaching was what he trusted in, the rationalizing of his own understanding. But what this man bankrupted himself for in the presence of Jesus Christ wasn't for an intellectual obligation to some theology that may persuade you that someone can talk you out of, but he had been an eyewitness to something Jesus had done that made it worthwhile to leave his daughter in the time of death corrupt himself at the foot of Christ and then go with him toward there. And if you notice, the, the man has no time to answer before Jesus says, as he heard the message, he said, only believe. That's what he ends up saying. Only believe. And is that what we would do? Do you get to the elevator and say, in that situation, they say, Bob died. It doesn't matter. Can I go up to Bob's room? I mean, is that what you're doing? Because that's what the Bible says happens here, that she's already dead. How many situations do we have in our life that look already dead? 
And maybe today on Father's Day, the fathers, God would stir us and say, you know what, this situation may look like it's already dead, but I'm going to only believe in Jesus. I'm only going to believe. That's all I'm going to do is just believe Jesus. See, because after all, Jesus had just turned around to the woman and he didn't say it was the evangelist that caused you to be healed. It wasn't the big meeting that caused you to be healed. It wasn't even some big response. What caused you to be healed was your faith caused you to be healed. And Jesus is inspiring faith in those who can believe in the Son of God against hope at times in our own lives. Are we doing this? I have some situations I want to believe against hope. I see some stuff that looks dead. I see things that look dead. I can look at some stuff and go, man, I've tried everything I know to do. And God, if you don't raise it, it's not going to get up off the ground. I'm wore out with this deal. Are you with me? But that doesn't mean I've lost my hope and faith in Jesus Christ. That means I've come to the end of myself. I can come to the end of myself as a father. I can come to the end of myself as a pastor. And sometimes I do, church. But listen, I will never come to the end of myself when it comes to the believing hope of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Because one day, when I was bankrupt again, He searched me out and found the thing that was lost, and light began to pursue darkness out of my life. He raised me up, brought me by the blood of Jesus. This is the gospel this is not theology this is not intellect and yet we treat this like it's some oh well i never did it that way get off yourself listen we've got enemies cutting the heads off of people around the country killing you don't like it when i say this this is coming to us church you think you could play church games and win with that this guy knew death was coming We hear about it last week in Orlando. Do you think it will stay there? No. Hatred, darkness. Today's Father's Day is a day for every one of us fathers to bankrupt ourselves in the worship of Jesus Christ, asking Him to go to the situations that look completely dead. Will you believe against hope at times in your own life? You know why? It's not just for you. Somebody else is going to need you. God's wanting to send you to the rest of the world. He's wanting to send you to somebody. We can get so involved in our situation, and so could this father have become so involved in his situation and frustrated that he thought Jesus stopping to heal someone else on the way was just a waste of his time. But he absolutely got to learn that day that Jesus, everywhere he goes and moves, any situation he comes into, death is going to become life. And when he gets there to the house, the the funeral music's playing. And maybe you can hear the sounds of the funeral music playing in a situation you know about and nobody else knows about. You can hear the funeral playing. You've already had somebody come and say, sorry, it's dead. It'll never work. God could never do anything about this. You even see the death laying there. And it may not be a person, but it may be a circumstance or a situation. And what he does is he clears the crowd out. They're... They're beginning to cry. Their 12-year-old daughter died. They're feeling horrible about this. And God must be unjust. And Jesus walks in. He clears the whole crowd out. And he gets the mother and the father and three disciples. And he walks in and he tells everybody. And if you notice, it says they laughed him to scorn. Can I ask you a question? When's When's the last time you've been laughed at for believing in Christ? When's, you been, when's the last time you've been laughed at? You so believe the Word of God that someone who doesn't believe the Word of God decided to laugh at you. 
he goes in, he sees the child dead, and he says, arise. He said, she's not dead, she's sleeping. And then he says something interesting. Like, don't tell anybody, make sure they don't know it. How are they not going to know it? How are they not going to know that the little girl just rose from the dead? How can you out-preach that 12-year-old little girl sitting at the table? He said, get her something to eat. Can you see that little girl, her mom and daddy, sitting at the table? They've still got the song singers for the funeral outside. They're still crying out there. And now she's eating her a peanut butter and jelly or whatever they ate in those days. And here we go. Another one touched by Jesus Christ himself. Today, you're at no less of an opportunity to both worship and receive what God sent through his only begotten son. That whosoever would believe upon him would not perish. You see this young lady, they said she's dead. But he wants you to have everlasting life. The Bible says also, shows on many accounts, your situation can look as though Jesus is way too late. Many times it's looked in scriptures like he was too late. But he's the only one that can still show up on time. He can change time. He can change not only that circumstance and situation, but our posture in believing the word can change our own lives. And as fathers today... There's never been a time, I believe, greater in America where we needed fathers to worship and lead with humility toward Jesus Christ. We have a fatherless generation among us today. There's a culture who begins to change what fathers are. But the Word of God and God has never changed His mind about your place and your position as a father, as a protector, as a spiritual leader. Some would like the levy to say it's all the same, but it's not. Even nature teaches us the right order of homes, the right order for protection. And the fathers today, I just want you to know that there's not another voice in your children's lives that will speak louder to them today and in the days ahead than yours. You see, Abraham, and then to Isaac, and then to Jacob... And then Jacob blesses his sons. Can I ask you today, could I just cultivate for a moment a blessing and ask you to allow the Lord to cultivate in you to give a blessing to your children? And this is what I mean, fathers. When I say give them a blessing, give them something from the Lord. Let them carry on a heritage. You see, I'll tell you, there's those who've gone on before us. Uh, Yesterday, we was looking over a property of my grandfather's, and uh, I just, I can't help but think, You see, today, what I remember most isn't how much money my grandfather made. What I remember the most is not how successful he was. And see, this man was a ruler of the synagogue. No doubt there were days that he felt great about his promotion. But what I remember the most was getting off the school bus. And before the door opened, I could see clear to the back by some little calves we were bottle feeding. And he was sitting on a milk stool under the tree, waiting patiently. See, it was time spent. It was knowing that he would be there. It was riding in a pickup as he memorized 
verses of scripture and poems that he liked. He was a 42-year deacon in a Southern Baptist church in our hometown. He was gentle, steady, and there he was. What I remember today the most are the things that God had done in his life. I can't go out to the garden early and not think of the old hymn. I come to the garden alone, in the garden, without thinking of my grandpa. Because of his heritage in the Lord. I want to just cultivate in every father here. And mothers, this doesn't leave you out. We just had Mother's Day a month or so ago. And if I had a dollar for every mother and grandmother that prayed for a child and they come to Christ later and I watched them cry their eyes out, uh, there would be a whole lot of money stacked up in one spot somewhere. But the fathers, maybe today you've not just openly said to your children, uh, you know, this is what the Lord, and this is really what's most important to me. And maybe this will be a first day for you, and you go home and you say, you know what? As for me and my house, wait a second. Before that, in the 24th chapter of Joshua, it said, if, even though if it may seem evil in your sight to serve the Lord, because there's a generation among us who says that it might be evil to serve the Lord. Even if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, as for me and my house, we will serve him. And this is a decision you can make as a father. And if you've not done that, I just gently encourage you to, to do that. And then tell your children, as for our house, we're going to serve the Lord. And what the greatest thing I have to give to you is what Jesus would give to me. Thanks for listening to today's broadcast. If you have a prayer request or any other need, we would love to hear from you. Our mailing address is Post Office Box 400, Riverton, Kansas 66770. Or call us at 620-848-3347. You may find us on Facebook and online at RivertonFBC.com. Our Sunday school classes begin at 945 a.m. with worship services at 1045 a.m. In addition, small group Bible studies meet on Sunday nights in various homes within the community. Please join us on Wednesday nights for a community-wide meal at 6, followed by Bible study for all ages at 7. The church is located at 6895 Southeast Bluebird Lane, just two blocks north of the Riverton Quick Stop or one block south of Community Bank and Trust and one block west. This is downtown Keith Brown inviting you to join us again next Sunday morning at 830 for another exciting message from God's Word. Have a great week and God bless.